hope you guys took some times, time last week to work on controlling your flesh. That's what we talked about last week. I mean, anybody have an instance where you had to really, or, or had a revelation that I had to control myself last week? All right? No hands. Okay, all right, y'all are perfect. Well, I did. I had one this morning. Got up this morning, I'm ready to get him going to the house of God, see my church family. I love it. The greatest day of the week. Michelle says, we have no water. I said, what? You know, and of course your emotions start coming, rising up. You know, my ears start getting hot and I'm, you know, it's coming all this. So I quickly had to control my flesh, control my emotions. It was all good. I ended up having a little bit of water, so I got about a 10-minute shower with it dripping out like that. So that's all right. I got a shower. I don't smell, all right? But listen, it's no coincidence that God has had me teaching on this. Because this started well before the second wave of COVID coming out, that everybody's very fallen all completely back into fear over. And we made it through the first wave. Listen, we serve a big God that's given us promises in His Word that belong to us because of a covenant, right? Those are our covenant promises that He can't lie about. They belong to us. We overcome the first wave. We'll overcome the second wave because I'm not here to tell you that before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a lot of waves of things come across this earth and we need to be prepared and we need to know what we believe, why we believe it, and not be afraid to get out there and do what we're called to do and not be pushed back Every time the media and the social media and your friends across town and your co-workers start talking, talking so much doubt and fear all around us. Amen? We've got to learn to control this flesh. It's why God had me teaching on we're, Ultimately, we're teaching on love. I see some fresh faces. This, this message is love is a choice. I think this is number three. I don't know how many we've gotten in. But uh, I really, if you didn't hear the, uh, the, the other... Uh, um, uh, the other messages, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and get those podcasts because love is a very big part of our lives. Yeah. And we're learning through this that, that, that love is, is, is not just the fleshly love that we think of, you know, where, where you just love something, you know. And truth be told, not understanding what true love is is the problem with the, with the marriages in this world today. See, so many people are, are getting married out of, uh, because they think that they're in love with someone based on the way they're built, right? Now, see, not everybody was as blessed as I was to have an amazing one. <laughs> Got to get that one in. But see, I mean, really, if you think about it, most of you probably know some people that got into a marriage situation because this flesh, listen, Let me just go ahead and clear something up. God created every one of us to be attracted to the opposite sex, all right? And he created each one of us to be attracted for different reasons. That's the way he wired us. That's the way we're made. And he did that because he made a person just for you, built just like that, to satisfy every desire that you have, right? So we all know some people that have maybe seen somebody in their lives and they think, wow, I love them, right? That's not love. That's lust, and then they, they, they proceed to get into a relationship with that person. Then it becomes sexual, and then it becomes more than that. And then after a while, because they went into this relationship out of lust and not out of the true love, now eventually I don't, that sexual satisfaction is going to become blah. Now they're in a bad relationship because it's no fun anymore. There's no joy in it anymore. There's no enjoyment. That was temporary because it was based on the flesh and not based on the true love of God. And, you know, there's so many examples of how you can, that you can give of how we need to learn to control our flesh. I mean, you really think about it, your fleshly desires is what drives us into debt. I mean, think about it. Kind of glad Jeremy's not here today. Because one of the main reasons, that's not, uh, he, it's a personal joke, but um, the, but the number one reason people go into debt is buying cars. It really is. I'm not saying you can't buy a new car, right? But those salesmen are trained to talk you, to convince you. It's not, not that you need the car, but that you can afford the car. You make this much, we can get it in there regardless of the... the we, we can stretch that payment another five years. Forget you're paying 15 years on a car. 
And this is happening now, right? And, and all of this is being, and being driven by your flesh. I've got to have a car. And, or I've got to have a better car than my friend. How many of you ever had a friend get a car and you just, you're, you're happy for them, but you start thinking, man, he got that truck. Well, I want a better truck than him. That's just not right. Well, I make the same money as him. I'm going to get one. Flesh, flesh. And see, and, 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 and the biggest argument that, that the world gives you back to that as a minister is, well, if you, that what about the desires of your heart? God wants you to have the desires of your heart. Well, yes, he does. But God set a system in place for that. Right? You either you, which system are you going to yield to? Are you going to yield to the world, which means that wherever you, if you, if whatever your salary is, you're going to go stretch yourself out with a thing called credit to the far to the point where that you can all you can do is live to make these payments, right? To fulfill that that fleshly desire, right? And, and and then after a while, now you're working full. You're working fifty hours a week. The wife's working fifty hours a week just to pay pay for these fleshly desires, right? And who suffers through all of that? Not only do the husband and wife, but the children do because now you take the parents out of the equation because the children can't get what they need from the parents because they're gone, right? And so now you're tearing the family apart, and all of this is driven by those desires. But God made a system. He said, if you'll trust me, if you'll be patient with me, if you'll sow, you will receive, if you'll connect with my tithe, if you'll let me lead you and have faith in my word and in my power in me, let me work on your behalf. If you want a car, if you want a house, if you want a boat, let me work on it. Let me do some things. Be patient. Let me, have, let me work on somebody's heart. Let my favor work on your behalf. Let me work on somebody's heart to, to move on them to, to give you that car or to, to give you a great deal on that car. Or to, to, to Listen, too many people limit God by their thinking. They can't imagine somebody giving them a grand gift. You know, and, and most people will even struggle receiving a grand gift. I knew a guy that, that, that was blessed when we were at Raymond. He, he was a Raymond student, and, and he was blessed with a truck. And it wasn't, it wasn't a real old truck. I mean, it was a nice truck. And he was, he was riding a bicycle to and from school and to work and all of this. And, and, and God moved on somebody's heart. And it wasn't anybody in the school or the church. It was somebody in town that saw him riding a bicycle, moved on his heart. And, and, and that man said, I'm going to give you a truck. And gave him a truck. Now, I'll never forget this young boy. I say young boy. He was younger than me. I was a boy when I was there, right? All right, so, but anyway, he was younger than me. But I can remember him coming to school, and he was, he was almost embarrassed. He was almost, didn't want to share the testimony. He didn't want to, he was almost like, he almost like he felt guilty. And I was like, are you kidding me? No, you serve an abundant God that loves you, that wants you to have your desires. And He wants you blessed to be a blessing. He wants you to be happy. And He knew that the desires in His heart was to have a vehicle, but actually, Chris really wanted the truck. Not that truck. He just wanted a truck. He wasn't very... He, he, he didn't limit God. He said, I, I just really wanted a truck. He got a truck. Be happy. Share the testimony. Praise God for that. See, we limit God with our thinking. That's what we call stinking thinking. And we've got to stop doing that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know how I got off on all of that, but we're talking about, I promise you, we're talking about love. But, and controlling this flesh is the biggest part. Okay? And I know I'm driving this home because, and we talked about it last week. I mentioned it a little bit the week before. And, and, but let me tell you something. Not controlling this flesh has, has ruined a lot of Christians' lives. A lot. A lot. I mean, there are Christians leaving churches because they're getting offended. They're getting, they're getting mad. Somebody got my seat. I mean, uh, Nathan and Anna took uh, Rebecca and Jordan's seat, you know, and so they had to bump to the back, you know, and, you know, and, and Rebecca was like a little salty. Not really. She really wasn't. But she was just having fun with it. But seriously, though, there are people, listen, when God, when you come to a church, it goes back to the whole entertainment thing. Church isn't to entertain you. You go to a church because God put you there. God, it, is, it, is, it may be forever or it may be for a season. That's why He puts you there because, you know what? That pastor is going to be the spiritual father in your house and for the while, for that season. 
He's going to be the one that's fighting for you, praying for you. As a matter of fact, every message and every word that comes out of this pulpit is not intended for the world. Now, we put it on social media, on, on whatever now, but it's intended for you, yes. right? Intended for you. And that's why you go to a church. That's why you connect with the vision because of the way you're gifted and the way your gifts and your talents and because God knew you were important to that church. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. But that, and see, so many people now, they go to church and they get offended. They get mad. They get, you know, the air's too hot. I don't like your music. And I've had people ask us, well, can you please turn the music down, you know? And I, I, I guess we can, you know? But, I mean, listen, you learn to control the flesh and come in ready, expecting to receive regardless. Yeah. Amen. Because this flesh will... This flesh will cause you a lot of issues. It'll take you down some, some, some dark roads. And ultimately, the flesh will lead you into strife. Now, how many of you know what strife is? Come on, we're, we're in a room full of smart people. Strife is just conflict. It's just conflict. Now, if you think about this world right now, it's full of what? Strife. Everybody's in strife. Everybody's mad at this one, that one, this one. Uh, strife, strife. You got churches mad at one another. You have people mad at one another. Governments mad at one another. And you just name it. We're just mad. We're mad people. Well, now, what does that tell us when we look at the, look at the whole, whole? Let's just use our state as an example. When you look at the whole state and you look at all of the different situations going on in the world, I mean, in our state. Right, uh, and, and everybody's in such such anger and bitterness, back and forth, arguing this, that, and other. It tells me that we have a lot of people in our very state that are being driven by their flesh and their emotions. And this is why God is saying, "Hey, teach, preach on this." I need my people to know. Matter of fact, He woke me up when I was getting ready, to, or when He put this on my heart to to, to bring this message. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning, I was just in a heavy sleep. And I woke up, and I sat up, and he told me, he, he started telling me, and I started writing, and I, and, and I mean, I've got, I've got notes on it right in here, right here. I keep this little, this little notebook right here, and it's, it's just full of all kind of goodies. Don't be reading that, that's mine. But anyway, <laughs> it's anointed. <laughs> but and he told me, he said, teach the people the difference. Because there's so many people, and you will always struggle with controlling this flesh, all right? Because this flesh always wants to do what it wants to do. And you've got to remember, it didn't get born again. You're, the, what got born again was the spirit man on the inside of you, all right? So, but if you're, <laughs> you're going to learn uh, to not be in strife, which is consuming the world right now, then you've got to master walking in love. And walking in love is a choice. You know, it's, uh, it was funny, after we preached last week, we went to the lake, had a great time at the lake, and thank you all for going, we had a lot of fun. And Kevin Hanner sat down and he told me, he said, uh, he said, yeah, pastor, he said, yeah, that was a good message. He said, I just had to practice that. <laughs> he went to a certain fast food place to get his meal and it didn't go very pleasant. And I said, how'd you handle it? He said, well... My ears were getting hot like yours do. And he said, <laughs> he said, but I chose to walk in love through the whole situation. Amen. But ultimately, love is a choice. And we need to stay out of strife. And we're talking about the, the you know, the Romans 5, 5. It says that the God kind of love is, is shed abroad in our hearts at salvation. And it's given to us by the Holy Spirit, which comes at salvation. And that's the kind of love we're talking about. Not that fleshly love, right? Not the emotion of love, right? Because, you know, that's, we don't live by emotion. Faith, we live by faith. Faith, 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 we don't, we don't live by, we walk by faith, not by circumstances. Well, if we don't walk by circumstances, you don't walk by feelings. You don't by, walk by sight. You don't walk by what's in front of you. You don't walk by what's happening around you, because even though the world's falling around you, maybe, I'm not going to speak that over you, but if you do, we're all going to get in those situations. You better have your faith in something that worth standing in. Well, you want that faith in the power of God, right? Because you can't control the circumstances around you, amen, but you can control the outcome. Glory to God. And I'll tell you, you can always tell people that are living their life based off of feelings and emotions is they're so inconsistent. And they're always up, down, up, down, up, down. And, and, and there's never no consistency. And that happens because feelings come 
Feelings go. Feelings change. Feelings do. You know, feelings are never the same. Come on. You're happy for one minute based off what's, what's happening right around you. There's no consistency. And then they're, they're happy, happy, happy. Then they're down, down, down. And they need something to fix it. So next thing you know, they're at the doctor. They're getting all these medications, which were the so overly medicated today. And now they need, they're looking for the world to fix this depression that they've fallen into because of their feelings and because of all of that. Forget about understanding who they are, right? And, and understanding that the, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. I'm going to choose to put that on regardless of what happens around me. That means I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to live in the joy of the Lord. Well, you just lost everything, all your finances and your investments. You made a bad choice, made a bad decision. Why are you not dying? Why are you not crying? Because I'm a son of God, and I know that even though I make mistakes, that I won't stay beaten down. I'm going to walk through it. God's going to see me through. He's going to provide for me through it all. It's going to be tough, but I will overcome, and I'll come out of it. You've got to learn to put that joy on when it hurts. And you're going to hit those moments, right? Because, you know... You don't want to be, you know, the Scripture says don't waver. You know, stand firm. That means that when you make mistakes, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't get hung up on it. Don't get stuck there. That's where a lot of people do. They get stuck and they, they can't look past their mistakes. But remember, God's not looking at those mistakes. Amen? Glory to God. But listen, you've got to put your, your faith in, in, in God's power. Right? God's Word, and put your faith, let your faith activate that power, and then allow God's power to come on the scene, and allow God's power to start shifting things around, yeah. right? To start lining up according to your prayers, and according to His will, and according to, 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 to the way they're supposed to be. Come on. But remember, that only happens by love. Galatians 5, 6. Right? It's very important. And you've got to remember something. If you're going to walk in love, you've got to learn to renew your mind. Because remember, your mind didn't get born again. And, and um, Romans 12, 2 tells us that we are not to be conformed of this world. We, we, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and let, me, let me just ask you this, or make this point, is you're renewing your mind every day, whether you realize it or not. Right? Now, how do you renew your mind? It's by feeding your spirit. Right? Now, that sounds a little weird, doesn't it? But you renew your mind by what you allow in here and what you allow in here. So if you're, you're consumed with certain types of movies or certain types of te- television or certain types of, well, now everything's on your phone or certain types of music, whatever those things portray is what you're feeding your spirit with. Right? And what you're, when you're speeding, feeding your spirit with that, that determines your response to the situations in life. Yeah. So if you're feeding yourself with horror mo- movies that are just consumed by fear, consumed by death, consumed by Satan, consumed by so much darkness... Listen, you've just renewed your mind to that and you fed your spirit to that. Now when the circumstances of life happen, and they will happen, now your only way you know how to respond is off of that. And is from the world, which is not good. So you're going to respond out of fear. You're going to respond out of horrible things, right? But you've got to make sure that you're renewing your mind. And of course, you renew your mind by, re- you re- by reading the God's Word. And you get that word on the inside of you. You get it so far in you and so ingrained and so much a part of you that, guys, that's, what, that's how you respond to everything. Right? Not the ways of this world, but from the word of God. <laughs> I, gotta, I was going to put a, a, a note right here that was, you know, talking about that strife that we were talking about. And, you know, strife is a biggie. Because... It, if we allow our flesh to push ourselves into strife, and we all can do that, because I guarantee you everybody in here has been mad at, at somebody, uh, probably pretty big, probably a good friend. Let me just ask this. This thing for a minute. How many of you have ever been just so mad at your best friend you just want to strangle them? I'm not talking to them anymore. I'm not coming around them anymore. They've done this. It's unforget- unforgivable. You know, I'm not going to have anything else to do. You're in strife with your best friend, 
right? But even though you've known them for all your whole life, we've traveled the world, we've done all of this, blah, 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 I don't know. I'm just, you, you know, the point is, is you love them, but now you're mad at them. Your flesh has gotten involved. Now you're in strife. Now you hate them, right? But at what point does everything become okay in that situation? Because it eventually will. Think about it. What point comes in? That situation becomes okay when either you give their forgiveness or they give forgiveness. Or if you choose, which is what we should do as believers, to give forgiveness regardless. Amen. Think about it. When you've been in those situations, you know, and, and you for a minute at the moment when your emotions rose up and controlled you and you reacted and you're in anger and, and bitterness and, and all of this, at that moment you could probably kill one another. But once forgiveness is given, man, you're 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 shaking hands, you're if you're ladies, you're hugging each other, crying, and you're ready to go shopping and whatever, go to the beach and do whatever. You're all buddies again. But ultimately what happens is when you come, it gets all better when you come to that place of unity. Yeah. Unity. And unity is a powerful thing. Because when you, when you put, bring a unified body together, there's nothing they can't do. I mean, there is nothing. That, if the church would just simply unify, oh my gosh, there isn't a place on this earth that we couldn't do, we couldn't do work in. And I love that. We, God gave me Psalms 133 the other night when we were at the uh, uh, corporate prayer. Because we always pray for unity. Now, we weren't specifically praying for that. I do in my prayer. But, uh, but that's always a biggie because I understand the importance of unity. And if, you don't, if we don't pray for that over our church, which is always being attacked, every church is always being attacked, come on, there's, you can leave a crack for Satan to get in there and, and get a stronghold. So I always pray for that unity. But in Psalms 133, I went back when he gave me that, and I read this to you, uh, it was either last week or the week before, but uh, I went back and I studied on it, and I just really meditated on it. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion. I love what it says out of the Passion. It says, how truly wonderful and delightful it is to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. Now remember, that's the place when everything becomes okay. That's the place when everything's just, you're at that, you're happy place. You know, you're together, we're all in love, and, and we just, we just patting each other on the back, shaking hands, you know, and we're just, we're happy, we're good. That's our, that's actually the, I call it the happy place of all believers, right there, when we're all in complete unity. But he goes on to say in verse 2, it says, It's unity, he's talking about unity, it says, It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down from him upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This harmony can be compared to the dew dripping from Mount Hermon, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. Indeed, that is where Yahweh has decreed his blessings will be found the promise of life forevermore. Guys, when God compares unity to the anointing oil, that's very significant because they're anointing the high priest to go in the holies of holies, to take care of business. And can't nobody go in there. You've got, there's a strict process to gain acts, to get in there. And the high priest is the only one that can do that. And I love the fact, this is what, <laughs> I love the fact that uh, they don't just anoint. God didn't have them just anoint like we do, you know, the little dab of, of anointing oil, you know. And I, and I actually talked with God about this. I was like, that's just really weird. I was like, you know, because the way they anoint, they have the big horn, and it's full of oil. And I mean, when they pour it, that's why it says it runs all the way down. I mean, when you're anointed, you're anointed. Yeah. I mean, when you're anointed, you are covered head to toe. That was the point. You were, but I, when I was talking with God, he was like, I was like, you know, that's, that's a lot. And, he, and then right in my spirit right then, this happened this morning, it just rose up out of me, abundance. I said, whoo, wait a minute. I sat there and I thought for a minute, abundance. Because I'm like, God, why are we using this, you know? And I, why is it so much? Why can't we just do like we do today, you know? And, you know, I like to get in these discussions with God. And he just, and he didn't answer. He just said abundance. And I sat up and I realized, I thought, ooh, glory to God. He was showing us. He is a God of abundance. 
And that right there should make you happy enough to, to, to get on your little happy, little happy bounce right there. I mean, because I'm going to tell you something. Right now in this day and age and in this crazy world where everything is, is constantly trying to be removed from you, you need to remind yourself that our God is a God of abundance. I mean, you think about what he did with, 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 Abra- with, with Abraham in, in, back there in Genesis when, when he, gave them, he gave them so much livestock and, and cattle. I mean, it was so much, the land couldn't even hold it. They had to move on. And, I, and you, I, you go all the way up to when Jesus is walking on the, the, the shore. And, and Peter and them, are, they're cleaning up their nets and they're in the boat. And Jesus says, hey guys, did you catch anything? No, we didn't catch anything. I'll tell you what, throw that net right over there on the right side of your boat. Right? And they like, it was important that they obeyed him. All right, that's significant. They did. And what happened? Man, there were so many fish, they couldn't even get it in the boat. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was net tearing, boat sinking abundance. Yeah. Woo, glory to God. I mean, God is a God of abundance. He tells us in Psalms that your cup is running over. It ain't half full. It's not even filled to the very top. It's running over. I mean, when, when I got a, when that, when that word rose up in me, I'm going to tell you what, I was in my little office. It's a little office, so I can't got much room. I was like, thank you, God. Because sometimes you got to, listen, he tells us throughout Scripture that he is a God that wants to provide for us, a God that wants to perfect, protect us, a God that loves us, a God that is everything for us. He just wants us to have faith in him and use our, allow that faith to activate his power to come on the scene in our lives and bring into manifestation everything that we come hoping for in our prayers to Him. Glory to God. So that you can walk out what He's called you to do. Woo! But He's an abundant God. See, when, when, when you get, when you're back against the wall, sometimes you need to just remind yourself. Renew your mind really quick with your own words. That's why I read the Bible out loud. I'm feeding my spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So feed my spirit. I read my Bible out loud. Why? So my spirit man can hear me read it. I'm not going to miss any opportunity to let my spirit man hear the Word of God. Glory to God. All right, it didn't mean to get off on that. But what, what God was showing us in, in Psalms 1 and 32 is that unity is very significant. And if you're going to get to that happy place of, of, of being in unity with your friend or whoever, whomever it may be, what do you got to do? You got to choose to walk in love. Choose to walk in love. And that's, that's the hard thing. And, and choosing to walk in love ultimately is, is going to be coming from a renewed mind which has Bible-formed beliefs. If you don't have Bible-formed beliefs, then you've allowed the world to renew your mind. And all, of, all your responses to life are going to come from the world. But God says, no. I'm going to, I want you to have your desires. I want you to be protected. I want you, to, I want you to, to walk in love. I want you to do all of this, but I want you to do it my way, not your way. Amen. That's the hard part. People don't want to be patient, and people won't, don't want to do it God's way. But walking in love, when I was, y'all want to know something funny. When I was putting this together, you know, God and I have these interesting conversations. And, I mean, I know when he's speaking to me, it's not an audible voice, but it, it just rises up in my spirit. And, you know, that comes from really renewing your mind. That, and that comes from what Michelle was talking about Wednesday night, about a pure heart, about seeking God, because I seek God. I mean, and I'm not bragging, but that's what we all should be doing. I mean, you know, the Scripture says that if you seek him enough, you'll see him. You know, that's how Brother Hagin got to walk with Jesus. You know, he caught a lot of flat when he said he walked with Jesus. But I believe the man walked with Jesus because his life was consumed with nothing but seeking God. And, and, and that's what I do anyway. So I was seeking, I'm always seeking God. So I'm in tune to him. I don't always get it right. Sometimes I, I miss him and sometimes I act on something and it wasn't God. But listen, at least I'm acting. You know, and that's what people need to learn to do. Start acting when they, when they feel like God's leading them to do something. But he was telling me, as I was preparing this message, you know, teach my people love, you know. Teach my people love, teach my people. You know, I just kept rising up and coming up. And, and, and my, little, my little Yorkie was sitting in the top drawer of my, in my office. I got my desk like that, and I pulled my top drawer out, and it's got a little pillow in it. And my, while I'm studying, my Yorkie will jump in my lap right in her pillow, and she'll ball up right there. So she lays right there, and, and she's, she's precious, you know. She sits right there, and she just watches me, you know, and we'll talk. Hey, how are you doing? Pet her a little bit, you know. And uh, as long as as long as I'm there, she's there. 
But I was sitting there and I pet her and I was praying and meditating and talking with God. And God said, you see that? You see? Tilly's her name. You see Tilly? And I said, yeah. He said, that's how I want my people to love me. I was like, God, really? I'm going to get in front of the church and tell people that they need to love like a dog. You know, I'm like, come on. He's like, I don't care how you do it. Just do it. You know, so I'm like, okay, this ought to be interesting. And I know some of the ladies are probably thinking, well, yeah, he loves like a dog. All right. You know, (laughs) but but what he was, what he was talking about was when you take a puppy, it's the most loyal. Come on. Think about it. That dog loves you. That dog will do anything. It will, it will follow you if you walk off a cliff usually. I want a, a truly loyal puppy. I'm not talking, I'm talking about one you've had as, as you've raised. And it loves you unconditionally. Yeah. You know, if you get emotional and you hit it or kick it or whatever, don't do that. But if you do, then repent. But that dog still comes right back. Yeah. But that dog has ultimately, has the, nothing but the strongest faith in you. Yeah. You're going to protect it and he's going to protect you. And, 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 you're going to fight for her and, or him, and they're going to fight for you. And, and, and ultimately, that dog loves you more than anything. And that's what God wants from his people, right? He wants us, that's all he wants. He just wants for us to, to love him unconditionally, just like he loves us unconditionally. Just like we're not perfect, now, he is, but that's okay. We'll talk about that later. But, we're not <laughs> but he wants us to love him. He wants us to, to have faith just like that. He wants us to, we will, he wants us to follow him. He wants us to, to, to fulfill what he, the plan that he has for our lives, guys. And so much of that revolves only around our ability to love. Did you know, did you, know you can't get salvation if you don't love? You, you can't. You can't. And you're like, wait a minute, Pastor. What are you talking about? Look, wait a minute, Mark 11. Mark 11. This is the scripture. Everybody loves. I'll read it out of the King James. Mark 11, 22. Now, we like it when we're, going, when we're facing a problem. All right? But look at me right here. But you can't get salvation if you can't, you can't love. Mark 11, 22. I promise I'm going to get to it. This thing's slow today. All right, here we go. Of course, we've all heard it. And then it goes, starts in verse 22. Have, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Better yet, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. Remember, the mountain is a problem, a situation, a sickness, something coming across your... He's, he's using an example, an analogy here. Be thou, would you, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Right? Therefore I say, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now that gets us all happy, right? When the problem comes, Jesus is telling us, all you have to do is have faith, believe it, Believe it, believe it. Then open your mouth and speak to your mountain. Woo, I get excited. I, I want to run and jump. But go on where everybody skips off. Verse 25, And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father, which also is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But, look at 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Guys, that right there should open your eyes and say, man, I need to be working on my love walk. You can't hold on to bitterness. You can't, un- you, uh, un- you can't walk in unforgiveness and walk in love at the same time. I mean, you can't do it. Amen, right? God, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the door, I'm the door to the, to the kingdom of heaven, but you can only access that door through forgiveness. Amen? That's very important. Very, very, very important. So, ultimately, really quick, how do you choose love when the first thing you got to do is put this flesh down? You got to yield to the spirit, man, right? And then the next thing you need to do is you've got to set a goal for your life. And that goal is, this is going to sound so cliche, but that goal should be strive to be like Jesus. Oh gosh, Pastor, I thought you were going to give me something really, really, really powerful, but that is powerful. 
That should be our daily goal. How many of you realize we've been called to a high standard? We have been. Look with me in Ephesians 4. We have been called to a high standard. Everybody say, I've been called to a high standard. That's right. Ephesians 4, look at verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the, unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Walk worthy of the vocation you were called. Walk worthy of what you're called to do. Walk worthy of what God has called you to do. That's the standard. But what is that standard? What's God ultimately called all of us to do on this earth? To walk like Jesus. Jesus is the standard, guys. That's the standard right there. We are called to walk like Him. We're called to talk like Him. We're called to love like Him. We're called to forgive like Him. We're called to serve like Him. Come on. All of these are the things that each and every believer and every person is called to do. And you can do it. Because most people say they can't. I had somebody tell me last week, Pastor, I just can't do it. I can't put this flesh down and I can't do any more than I'm doing. They've given up already. You can do it because you're not doing it in your own strength. There's greater is the strength on the inside of you. Come on. Oh, you got to be quick. Remember Philippians 3.14 says, I press towards the mark. What's the mark? Living like Jesus. That's the mark. He came and set the example. All we've got to do is strive to be like Him. Amen? And, you know, when you, when you point this out, people are always quick to say, well, Pastor, I just can't do it. I, can't, I just can't do that. 1 John 2.6. 1 John 2, 6. You can do it. You can do it. Everybody say, I can do it. it. 2, verse 6. says, He that saith, he Let's go to the Passion. I think the Passion was the translation I really love. Sometimes the King James is... It's awesome. It says... I love it. Yeah, this is it. It says, Not just by saying I am intimate with God. In other words... You don't prove who you are by saying I'm a child of God, just by saying that I'm close to God. No, you do it by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Now let that one sink into your heart. Listen, if you, you've fallen into a place where you don't feel like you can do it, you don't feel like I can, I, I can do any more than I'm doing, but let me remind you of something, that we don't live our lives based on feelings. You press toward that mark. You strive to that mark. You do that in you trying to do all that you can to be like Jesus. Yeah. That, love like Jesus. Now, how did Jesus love? He had compassion for everyone. We should have compassion for everyone. We, now, that doesn't mean... Yes, that doesn't mean... That, that, that we have to condone the sin that people are in. This is where people, they misunderstand this, right? We're not called to judge a person's salvation. Always remember that. Never, don't be doing that. But we are called to judge their lifestyle. Why? Because number one, we are the light of the world and our job is to bring them out of that lifestyle if they're living in a sinful lifestyle. Come on. And furthermore, we're not to be a part of that lifestyle. Amen? And see, loving somebody doesn't mean that you just hold their hand as they're dying. Right? I'm I'm talking about as they stay in their sin and they just continue down this path and eventually going to lead them to death. No, truly loving that person is getting rough with them and saying, Hey man, I don't want you to go. Get back over here to life. Get back over here to what we know is life, what we know is right, and get out of that situation. I love you so much that I'm really to, 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 to tear this relationship just enough, just enough to get your attention so that I can get you over here, save your life, glory to God, and then we can walk all these things out together. Now that's true love. That's true love. And we all can do it. We all can do it. And somebody, uh, uh, I mean, we can, you just have to choose to do it, guys. You really do. You really do. And, and, you know, some people are quick to say, 
and I hear this a lot also, is I, you can't compare me to Jesus. I mean, you, how can you? I'm just me. I'm just this fleshly person on this earth, that woe, unworthy person that is sin. And, and how is it possible that I can do like Jesus? Well, of course, Jesus told us greater works that you will do, right, than I have because I'm going to be with the Father, right? And that's, that's the first and foremost. But you've got to remind you something, yourself of something. And you, this, you've got to remember the blood. What did the blood do? What did it do? It, the, because the blood that Jesus shed, you are forgiven. But you know, how many of you realize God's showing mercy on us right now? Come on now, this is important. Yes, He's showing mercy on us. With what's going on in this world, and so many people blatantly turning their back on Him, blatantly denying Him, blatantly turning to live in the ways of this world versus Him. Come on, He's showing mercy. If he was a god of wrath, it would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. It wouldn't be pretty, right? But see, because of that blood, that's why he's showing mercy. Let me show you something. And that, the great thing is, guys, is that mercy, it's not a one-time thing. Look with me at Lamentations, and I'll close with this. Lamentations. Let's go. Y'all know where that is? Who's singing the song? Somebody's singing the song. There we go. All right, Lamentations uh, 3. Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. 22 and 23. All right, everybody awake? Everybody okay? All right, it says, It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. All right? Thank God that he is, saved, he is showing mercy. But this is it. Verse 23 tells us that those mercies, it says they are new every morning. Guys, he's showing mercies. It, 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 he should, it's fresh. Matter of fact, the, 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 uh, the Hebrew word right there for new is ch- chattish, t- chattish, I think it is, I can't pronounce it. Words, words for Jessica Peters. Anyway, it, it, which means new. It means rebuild. It means, it, it, means, it means fresh. That means that every morning, His mercies, His, the, His rivers of mercies flow fresh from Him to us every single day. Now, why does that happen? Because of the sacrifice. Because of the blood that was shed. Woo! That means that when you make a mistake... And we're going to make mistakes. You get, a receive, you, get, you get to receive that, the cleansing power of that blood, which is forgiveness. Come on. The, that's why we said the blood has washed us clean. That doesn't even make sense. How is blood going to wash you clean? Because it's Jesus' blood, right? You've got to understand. And that's because of the blood. You, and when you get that forgiveness and you get that cleansing, then that means that even though you made a mistake, be quick to repent and get things straight. And then you can get up the next day pressing toward the mark and know that the slate has been wiped clean just like you haven't made any mistakes. And I I can still press in. I can still keep going. Just like Jesus did. Glory. He got walking on this earth just as He did. Showing love. Showing compassion. Allowing the power of God to work through you so that you are performing greater things than Jesus. Come on. He wouldn't tell us that if He didn't want us to do that. If He didn't want us to be laying hands on the sick and see them recover. Come on. Or or anything. I mean, the church needs to wake up. All right, Hebrews 8.12 tells us, I don't, their their transgressions I will remember not. Right? Whew, I don't know about you, but I've been washed in the blood. But listen, listen, you've got to remember that. You know, we always, a lot of times people don't preach on the blood much anyway. The blood's a little bit scary to some people. They may get offended. They may, they need to toughen up. Come on, that blood is priceless. That, that blood is because of what He did. That's why we stand right here and do what we do. So that we can save lives and bring people out of the darkness of this earth. Amen? But understanding the love that God is showing us. Come on. It, that love should never stop with us. That love is to flow through us. Alright? And, and, and that's... that's, that's, that's that's, that's how God's systems work. You connect to me. I show you that love. But I want you to 
and walk out a plan, walk in my power, but I want my love to flow through you. Because you're not going to walk out his plan for your life if you don't know how to love. Actually, you're not going to, you, you, you got to be walking in love for salvation to be right in your life. Amen? Now, don't come to me and say, well, pastor, I'm not walking in love. Does that mean I'm not saved? All right? No, but it, the word clearly says that if you don't forgive, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. I, I, every single prayer that I start when I'm in my personal life is I'm quick to repent and I'm quick to tell God, I forgive those that have done me wrong. And I don't hold on to bitterness. And I'm like you, we've all been through some mess and there, we all got some people we can be mad at. Let's just be real. We're in church. We don't want to lie. Let's be honest. Yeah. Amen. But listen, we've all been called to a high standard, and that is to be like Jesus. So if you're going to walk in that love, the first thing you've got to do is learn to put your flesh down. Now stop making excuses for yourself. I can't have heard a hundred times, well, it's just the way I am. I'm just a mean hermit. People are going to have to learn to live with me that way. No, no, no. Don't make excuses for yourself. I was so proud of Kaylee when she came to, to do our internship, you know. And she's got um, long brunette hair, no, red hair, you know. And what, what is it most people think of when they know of a redhead? Temper, temper. So we had to work through some things, you know. We had to, we had to have special prayer services and have the anointed, anointed ministers of our nation come around and pray for her. No, I'm just kidding. We did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had to say, you know, Kaylee has really done well. You know, now she's our worship leader. Officially, our worship leader. She's done really well through the internship and and uh, and, and uh, doing well with that position also. So thank you, Kaylee. But if you got to learn to put this flesh, control this flesh all the way around, control this flesh. Because if you don't, this thing's going to control you. You know, and it goes back to what Proverbs was telling us in four twenty three: guard your heart. It's talking about your spirit. What are you allowing in? I mean, I so many people. I'm getting their cars. Now, 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 listen, I better not say this. Somebody, but I get in their cars and they're quick to turn that radio down. They don't want me to hear what radio station it's on. What is that, you know? You know? Listen, I'm not paying attention to that. Really, I am, so I can use it as an illustration in my sermon. But that's okay. You know, I won't use your name, I promise. <laughs> but listen, what are you feeding your spirit man with? What's you, what are you renewing your mind with? The Word of God. So that you can respond according to how God wants you to respond to life? Are you feeding it with just this, this mess from the world? Well, that's only entertainment. I like my music with a little beat to it. And the only way you're going to get that is, is you get over here and you get into this music over here. Well, well, it sure is funny. That music talks about sex, death, sex, 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 sex. Seems like that's all it talks about nowadays. I mean, really. Right? And it's, 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 so you've got to think about it. You've got to renew your mind, but you need to be renewing it with the Word of God and keeping this flesh under control, striving to be like Jesus, which is what we're all called to do. And don't ever tell yourself you can't do it because you've been called to do it. You are anointed to do it, and you can do it. And the only way you're going to fulfill the plan of God that He has for your life is learning to do that. And I'm going to tell you something. God's been sharing some stuff with me right now with where he's taken Compass Church. And, and, and you know, uh, there's a lot of things he's wanting us to accomplish. And, and right now, with, with the uncertainty and all that's going on, and, and you can step up here, that's going on in the earth right now, you know, it's pushing a lot of people to pull back. Let's stop pushing forward with, with the plan that God's got for my life. But you're seeing it in churches too. We're just trying to survive. Churches are falling into survival mode also. But God's been moving on my heart. And, and, he, and one of the things is, and, and it's funny, Michelle just kind of confirmed this last night as we were sitting around the table talking, is, is that um, the thing that had been rising up into me was small towns. Now, a few years ago, Austin had a, got a revelation that uh, I think Pastor Hagen prophesied it, didn't he? at Winter Bible, that small towns await us. And you know, that's, that's, that's going to be a part of uh, Compass Church. And how that looks, we're going to walk that thing out. But how that's going to look right now, as of right now, what, what, what does that mean? That means that, that so many people want to go to a big city. 
and grow this big church in that city. And the cities are blanketed with churches. And, and you saw this with the election. You know, there was the, how much control the, the elections were based off of the big cities. And the, the, uh, uh, there were still a lot of people in the less, what considered less populated areas. But guys, there's a lot of people in small cities that need Jesus. Not far from here. And God's going to lead us. We've already put together a, a Bible school to, to train people to go to small towns. And we'll be starting that next year as well as our internship. And um, when we start getting some people through that, we're going to start going to small towns. What is that going to look like? That means we're going to have other churches. Was that going to be another? It, it, it'll be a campus church. I won't be streamed in video-wise. Because that's not what God's calling us to do. God's calling us to train people up to go into the step into their calling and to go to the small towns that need them, that need Jesus. You know, it's time for the body of Christ to get out of the four walls and start spreading out. Get out to the people. Because there's a lot of people out there that are having to drive a long way to church. And there's a lot of people out there that, that don't come because of the long drive. Well, you know what? If they're not coming to us, God says, we'll go to them. You know, naturally you start thinking, well, how are you going to pay for all that? God's like, don't worry about it. You know better. Don't bring that up. Don't worry. Don't bring that up. Why am I telling you guys all that? I'm telling you all that because it looks like with everything that's happening around us right now, you know, there's so much uncertainty in, 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 in the church world and this, that, and other. But I'm here to tell you, God's hand is still on us. He's still on this work. He's still on the church itself. You know, I was, I was and he's still performing miracles. You know, I saw where Church of the Highlands got $20 million donated to build campuses for their new college. That's powerful. Don't throw any rocks. Powerful. Powerful. That's a good... God's hand is still on His people. He's still performing miracles. We're not giving up. We're still pressing forward. And we're still going to do all that we can do to tap into His power so we can fulfill his, his, his plan and we can reach each and every soul that wants us, wants to hear about Jesus. They're going to hear about Jesus. You know, that's why we're going out into the streets and just pray for people. Well, what if you only have one person show up? Well, that's one person that had seed planted into them. We'll do it next, the next week and then the next week and the more people learn you're there, then the more people are going to come because I'm going to tell you something. When people start hurting, they're looking for something to help that hurt. Amen. And that's going to be us. Glory to God.